why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome to the third ever edition of the Carolina Gridiron Podcast. This is Justin Jones bringing you information from across the state of North Carolina in high school and college football. We want to thank you for joining us tonight here on the podcast. And joining us this week on the podcast is Brian Barnes. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Justin. How are you? Fantastic. A lot of big news uh, going around in North Carolina college and high school football this week. We're going to get in on this week's podcast. Um, unfortunately, this is the time of year where we're kind of getting the same big stories coming out. Last week, it was Brad Lambert out at Charlotte. Uh, this week, the big news coming out of FBS uh, here in North Carolina is Larry Fedora is out at UNC. Uh, Brian, did you, did you see this coming after this season? Well, yeah. I mean, he he's now had two bad years there at UNC. 3-9 and nine last year, 2-9 and nine this year. So, yeah, the writing was on the wall. You could hear the rumbling starting uh, all season long. So, yeah, it, it, he, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and I know we were watching the end of that game with NC State uh, yesterday um, when we were up in the press box at Appalachian State and just seeing the ugly way that that game ended. Yes, it goes into overtime, but I have to think that that scuffle in the end zone didn't help his chances. What do you think, Brian? No, it didn't. Um, it, it just was a, an ugly end to an ugly season for UNC. It really was, and and you could tell by just looking at the the, the pictures coming out of the stands. Uh, there weren't that many people there. People have kind of lost their excitement, uh, and and I get it. You would see, is is a basketball school. I mean, it really is, uh, and people were hoping to try to get some of that uh, that fight back from the football team, but really going forty five and forty four overall. Uh, five hundred football is probably not going to cut it at UNC. Not with the kind of resources that they have and the talent-rich uh, state uh, that we have here in North Carolina. Uh, you know, going 2-9 and, and, and nine in this last year, and it probably would have been 2-10 and 10 had that game with Central Florida not been canceled. So the big question uh, that we really have is, you know, who might uh, be the next coach uh, at UNC? And, Brian, I know that, that you know that there's a really popular name out there uh, and it's a fellow that we happened to see coaching uh, yesterday. Uh, so what do you think probably the safe choice for UNC is? Uh, well, I mean, one of what, uh, Scott Satterfield up there in, uh, at Appalachian State, I mean, look what he's done there at, at App uh, through the transition and into the FBS and into Sun Belt, and he's won um, conference titles uh, with Appalachian, and he's, he's, won three, he's now 3-0 and in bowl uh, games with Appalachian. So I, I think that would be a great fit for him. I mean, heck he's from the, uh, the Hillsborough area right down the road from Chapel Hill. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's a North Carolina guy. He's got a good, you know, recruiting pipeline coming into app state. And 
that really uh, could be, I guess, the safe choice right there, you know, and, and just something that might get the fan base uh, excited by. Um, I, I don't think those folks in, in Boone are, would be too happy about us even in talking about this, uh, but he has been very successful, 51-24 and 24 over the last, uh, you know, six years, and we're going to get a chance to see them play in the, the first ever uh, Sunbelt Conference Championship game uh, this week against Louisiana. We're going to talk about that game a little bit later, so I don't want to move on to that too quickly because there, there's still a few other names that have been kind of thrown out as far as possibly replacing Larry Fedora uh, at UNC. I've enjoyed just reading through Twitter, and, and you know what? We're going to do? we'll just do something real quick, just right off the cuff here with you, Brian. Just tell me how serious. I'm going to name some names, and, and, and we'll go from one to five with one being it's never going to happen, and five being that's an interesting choice. Okay, so you can just go one through five, Brian. One, never going to happen. Five, interesting choice. Um, and I'm just going to name some names, things that I've seen come across social media. Uh, the first one, how about Lane Kiffin, FAU? What do you think? <laughs> you know what? That's an interesting choice. I, I think that one could happen. He's, he's itching to get back into uh Back into the the, uh, the 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 big five conferences, whatever you want to call them, he's interested in getting back to to, to, to that. Yeah, I think that could be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not sure if he's worn out his welcome down at Florida Atlantic uh, down there in yeah. Conference USA. Uh, they just finished five and seven out of bowl contention after Charlotte was able to uh, win down there in Florida with a nice 56-yard field goal uh, with you know less than a half minute to play to uh, defeat Fort Atlantic, and, and they finished with five wins for the season. Uh, so Charlotte's not going bowling. Uh, you know, that was Lambert's last game at the, at the helm, uh, but it kept Lane Kiffin from bowling as well. All right, so, yeah, pretty interesting choice. Uh, they've, they've thrown out another name, another Conference USA coach from Florida. How about Butch Davis? You know, he coached uh, at USC back in the day. What do you think about that one, Brian? Yeah, that one's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think he's going to be coming back. Yeah, you know, I guess even some of the wins that Butch Davis had back in the past kind of got wiped out by some NCAA violations. So yeah, maybe he wouldn't necessarily be the, the best one to come back. Now, I know you've had a chance to see a lot of American Athletic Conference football. So let me run this one by you. How about Mike Norvell, the head coach at Memphis? What do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, that that one that one could could work. I mean, uh, he did work with uh, with Bubba Cunningham at Tulsa, so it 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 definitely that that could be one of the top picks right there. I, I would suspect. Yeah, and I know Norvell has a pretty good track record uh, with some offenses, and they've been able to put up a lot of points. Uh, I'm going to throw another one out there for you, Tony Elliott, the co-offensive coordinator of Clemson. Uh, could you see anybody moving from a coordinator position in the ACC to another ACC job? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that one happening. It, it's if he if he wants to get his feet wet as a head coach, I, I can see him wanting to move up. Yeah, he doesn't have any head coaching experience, but people say that he's one of the best recruiters, uh, and and I, I I've seen him work firsthand. And look at the talent that they're getting down there at Clemson. Um. Another name, and, and one that I, I've had a chance to see a little bit more, is Blake Anderson, the head coach at Arkansas State. He's a former North Carolina assistant. He worked with Larry Fedora uh, back in 2012 and 2013. 
Uh, do you think the fact that he worked with Fedora before would push him down the list a little bit, Brian? I, I don't see. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, and he he, he had, he's, he's made his own uh, his own history there at uh, Arkansas State, so I think he's going to be a top contender. I don't think his affiliation is is going to uh, shy anybody away from just taking a look at him, and if he wants to put his name in, uh, uh, give him an interview. Yeah, and, and Arkansas State's won at least seven games in all five of the seasons out there. They had a perfect mark in Sunbelt playing in 2015, uh, and they've gone to five uh, bowl appearances if you count this year since, since they are bowl eligible. Um, one last name I'm going to throw, and this is another one uh, that I think makes people just curious about would UNC bring him back, and that is Mac Brown. Mac Brown, who, who made... Uh, UNC into a bit of of a of a football mini power in the 1990s. What do you think about that one, Brian? Um, he he might come back. Who knows? But um, they'd have to uh, we'd have to entice him quite a bit to uh, to get away from that uh, ESPN analyst job. He is fun to listen to in the studio. So we have to see you know if he is willing to step out of that and step back into the grind of being a head coach. I know a few of the folks who have talked about maybe bringing uh, Mac Brown back says maybe he'll bring Gene Chiswick with him as a D.C., a defensive coordinator, maybe as a head coach in waiting. One last little wild card I'm just going to throw out and then we'll move on was a fellow who's actually had a chance to get some head coaching experience, and that's Ryan Day, co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, he had a chance to coach the Ohio State Buckeyes for three games while Urban Meyer was suspended. I think, you know, he's got a, he's kind of showed himself there in a top P5 program, and I think that one could be a, a pretty good one for UNC to consider as well. We'll keep you posted here uh, on the Carolina Gridiron podcast and at carolinagridiron.com. Uh, you follow along if we any news that we get about any potential hires for UNC or for a hire at uh, for the Charlotte 49ers, two FBS programs in the state who are looking for coaches. Uh, while we're talking about coaching, you know, vacancies, there is one uh, at the FCS level currently that, Brian, I'm going to run something by you and see what you think about this. This is North Carolina Central. They are looking for a coach right now. Do you think there's a way for NC Central to bring Adrian Jones away from Shaw and back to Durham? I mean, there is a possibility of it. Uh, it, it is it is a step up for, for that, for him to, to go from, from Shaw to NC Central. I mean, yeah, it would be interesting to see who they get. I mean, that, that, that right there is probably, I would think, probably when they're top on their list. Yeah, he, he's a great coach. Uh, he's got Durham roots. I, I know when you were up in the area, I, you used to always tell me just how awesome he was as a coach and interacting with the media uh, and the fans uh, from the high school days, from the days when he was an assistant at Central. Uh, I, that was one that came to me that I thought you might um, – just be interested in and in some of the rumors that have been floating around. I know Central's really been struggling since Jerry Mack left for that coordinator job down at Rice, and they've been trying to you know, find a way to turn the ship around. Uh, but sticking in college news, Brian, you and I had a chance to check out Appalachian State this weekend with their Eastern Division Championship matchup against Troy. Just based off what we had a chance to see yesterday, what are your thoughts about App State going into this next week's uh, game against Louisiana for the Sun Belt title? I think it's looking good for App State. That's just my personal opinion. Um, they took care of Troy, which is arguably the second best team in the uh, in the Sun Belt. 
they were in the same division. So uh, going up against uh, Louisiana Lafayette, I, I mean, it, you never know. You got to play the game to find out who exactly is going to be the winner. But I think App State is is pretty highly favored in this one. Yeah, and, and it's good to see. I mean, we, we were just running down the two deep, um, looking at the roster. And just amazed at how young this team was overall. You just see a, a bunch of sophomores that are on the two deep that are starting. Uh, you got a couple of juniors, a couple of seniors, but they are so young, and they have found a way to find success in uh, the Sun Belt and really compete for a conference championship. I'll tell you, someone who I've been particularly impressed with this season is Darrington Evans. Uh, when Jalen Moore went down, a lot of folks were concerned that you know he was kind of the heart of the offense. And uh, people were concerned that maybe App State might lose a, a beat a bit. Uh, but Darrington Evans has really stepped in, and, and, and he has been running hard. Uh, I know you commented multiple times in the box uh, this weekend at that game. What are your overall impressions of, of just watching Darrington Evans uh, run with that App State offense? No, he's a beast. Uh, he, he took over the game at running back. What, 20 attempts for 108 yards? Is what he picked up this past week. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, he's he's come in. He's filled the hole. Um, there, there's no more worrying about the the uh, the App State running game. Yeah, and some might, some listeners might say, you know, 20 attempts, 100 some odd yards. You have to realize that App State and, and Troy had the two top defenses in the entire conference. And to show you the difference here is Darrington Evans said we got you know 100 yards. App State held held the Troy running back to like. 50 yards, you know, less than half of his usual yardage uh, that he would get uh, during a game. You know, we don't like to make game predictions as far as scores goes, but tell me, uh, Brian, give me an atmosphere prediction uh, for this week's game, the Sun Belt title game. <laughs> it's going to be off the chart up there at App State. It always is, even just for a, for a mundane conference game that you know that you're three, four touchdown favorites on. Um, this is going to, this is the inaugural Sunbelt Conference Championship. It's being hosted by App State. The Rock is going to be rocking. Absolutely. Kid Brewer Stadium, the Rock as they call it. It is one of my favorite college football atmospheres uh, in North Carolina. That in East Carolina, back when ECU was in some of their heyday, they were fun to, to catch a game at. App State is definitely rocking. And they're competing for pretty much their third straight Sun Belt title here. This time, uh, now that you actually have Sun Belt divisions, a chance to host a conference championship game. Uh, in years past, uh, you know, you had to have 12 teams in your conference to host a conference championship game. The NCAA has kind of waived these rules. And so you'll see the Sun Belt, you'll see the Big 12, even though they have 10 teams, uh, now hosting uh, these conference championship games. Uh, as folks in the college football playoff rankings always like to talk about, it's giving that additional data point uh, for the committee to consider. So th that's just kind of the big rundown from the FBS level. We mentioned a little FCS, but probably the most exciting college football moment, I'm going to go out on a limb and mention in the entire nation, this past Saturday took place in Hickory, North Carolina, in the Division II playoffs where you had Lenore Ryan and Winget. And, and, and you and I had this game up as well as the North Carolina-North Carolina State game and whatever they wanted to call that matchup in Durham between Wake Forest and Duke. 
I don't even want to give it words uh, to what happened there. That was an absolute just demolishing job by Wake Forest. How do we even put that that final scoring play into words, Brian? Hit wow. That's all we said up there in the in the box up there at Apple State watching this was wow that that just happened that I just see what I just saw that, that it was an an incredible moment for for Lenore Ryan and, and that fan base and that community uh, just just a great way to win a second round game in the playoffs against an in-state rival uh, it, it, no words can really describe what happened there. Yeah, we kept trying to find what exactly, how, what do you call this play? A, a double reverse flea flicker pass? And we're talking, you know, what, less than 30 seconds or so uh, in this game. You know, Wingett had scored the ball. Lenore Ryan has the ball back. Now, these are two South Atlantic Conference teams. They've, they've matched off every year in, in, in sack play, and they meet up in the second round of the Division II playoffs. And that's the kind of ending that we get out of this. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, I'm going to tell you, go on Twitter right now. You find the Lenore Ryan Bears Twitter account. You you search Lenore Ryan and wing it. And you, the Hickory Daily Record had the video as well on, on their website. We I can't even put it into words. You know, Brian saying, wow, I totally agree with you. It is a wow play. Um, I only could have imagined what it would have been like to have been in the stadium there to, to find, you know, that, that D2 stadium in Hickory, North Carolina, just rocking. Uh, it's, it's great to get a chance to be in the second round of the Division II playoffs. It's even better to have a chance to host a conference in-state rival uh, like they did against Wingate. And now Lenore Ryan wins this matchup, and they move on to the third round against an absolute juggernaut down in Valdosta State. We're not going to spend too much time looking at Valdosta State, but I can tell you, you cannot defeat Lenore Ryan in a contest of heart. And that's something we found out on Saturday and that we've seen throughout this entire season. We still have to keep giving a shout-out to Lenore Ryan, their coaching staff, their players. They never stop. They never quit. And they showed it on Saturday. And I've got a good feeling they might show it again this Saturday at Valdosta State. And there's plenty more college news we could talk about, but I want to spend some time tonight looking at the high school playoffs. And we're going to look back at the second round. Uh, we talked about it before, how cool it is to play, you know, after Thanksgiving. And even with the season being pushed back, you had more teams having the chance to experience this. Uh, but we're just going to look at some of the big storylines uh, that we had in week two of the high school football playoffs. For me, when I'm looking at the 4AA bracket, a couple of things in the 4AA West that got me one Myers Park just shut down Butler 33 to 8. Got to give credit to Scott Chadwick and those Mustangs um, for being able to top down that conference rival. But the big upset in a lot of people's eyes was Huff taking down Mallard Creek. Uh, this is a rematch of a game just a couple of weeks ago that I was there where Mallard Creek had just completely outplayed Huff. And, and seeing Huff, and we, we talked about the beginning of the year, just how talented they are. Are they the most talented team in the state of North Carolina? Seven top 100 players on their roster. Playoff time, they have sh they've shown up, and they were able to top the number one uh, team in the state in Mallard Creek, 19 to seven. That that was right there was just a big shocker for me uh, as well. In in the 4A, Porter Ridge, you know, going on the road 
getting that one point win over Page. The shout out to the Porter Ridge player. I, I wish I had his name in front of me, um, but I, it is it is neat to see who blocked the extra point on what would have been Page's go ahead touchdown. To Porter Ridge goes down and scores and wins 28 uh, to 27. Uh, Brian, any big storylines that you saw out of uh, the 4A ranks? Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about it, especially here in the eastern part of the state. It's Scotland's big win over number two Cardinal Gibbons, 7-6. to six. Um, Cardinal Gibbons came in scoring a lot of points, and Scotland, who has been kind of off the radar for this whole year, um, I think they're now sporting a 7-5 and five record. They uh, they somehow come up with the uh, with the strength and the the Scotland pride I guess is what you could call it uh, to go up there on the road at Cardinal Gibbons and to pull off the narrow low scoring to win seven six but hey it doesn't matter how much you win by as long as you win exactly and and that wasn't the only one point win uh, in the four A East Southview went on the road to South Central the number one seed in the four A East and they were able to beat them thirty three thirty two. Um, and I know during the week you and I uh, talked about uh, the interesting atmosphere that South Central was going to have. None of the students were allowed to attend the game because of that incident they had uh, after the D.H. Conley game where you had some South Central students trying to uh, cause a bit of a, of a scene uh, on the field. And so they weren't even allowed uh, in the game to, to witness this upset of their home team. You know, it's a Southview uh, moving on as the 8th seed taking down number one South Central. Uh, in the 3A ranks, you know, you were talking to me earlier about, um, you know, Jacksonville and, and what they were able to do. Uh, what do you think about what Jacksonville's move in this year in the playoffs? And is Jacksonville for real? I do believe Jacksonville is for real. Um, they went up to Western Alamance again this year. And they got revenge over last year's third-round uh, defeat. Uh, they were able to pull off the win this time in the second round over Western Alamance, 56-21. to 21. Um, They're moving on. Western Alamance is playing basketball. Um, and I, I believe, yes, that Jacksonville is the real deal. Well, and speaking of basketball-like scores, uh, next week Jacksonville gets to take on Eastern Alamance uh, and, and that kind of basketball score that they had. Uh, at 57 to 56, they were able to top out uh, Southern Nash. Uh, just an absolute shootout. I know it's not like the 74, 72, you know, LSU, Texas A&M game that most of us stayed up way too late to watch. Uh, but 50, scoring 56 points and losing is uh, something you don't see too often in high school football. But that 57-56 uh, Eastern Alamance over Southern Nash, which is kind of the opposite of one of the other games in, in, in the 3A East uh, Terry Sanford put on that strong performance, Brian. Uh, did you see this one coming? No, I didn't. Um, I, I figured Terry Sanford was going to give Rocky Mount a, a tough game. Um, I actually kind of was leaning towards Rocky Mount. I did not see Terry Sanford shutting out Rocky Mount 30 to nothing. Um, that's just a testament to how good Terry Sanford's defense has been this year um, and that they're, they're moving on into the, uh, to the next round. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, Terry Sanford played a very strong schedule. Uh, that part of the state, you know, uh, is playing some good football this time of year. But I, you know, even I thought maybe Rocky Mount uh, might be too much for him uh, in this matchup. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to doubt Terry Sanford. 
you, you guys are, you know, playing some good ball, and this is the best time of year to play some good ball. So, so, uh, hat tip to you, uh, Terry Sanford. In the two A ranks, uh, you know, Brevard went on the road to Randleman, and and they were going to take down number one Randleman, twenty one thirteen. I thought it was going to be a close game. Brevard's been one of the sleepers for me throughout the season uh, because of the you know conference finish. They ended up as a number eight seed. Um, I thought they were a better team than an eight seed, uh, but they were able to go on the road and, and take down uh, the number one seed, Randall and Tigers. Um, big upset right there. I know down there in your part of the uh, the, the state, Southwest Onslow and South Columbus, 29-20 to 20 Southwest Onslow. Anything about that result surprise you there, Brian? No, um, I figured coming into that game that that was a 50-50 game for either team. It just depended on how the bounces go and if they're turnovers and all that. Um, Southwest Onslow is playing stallion football again. Um, they are taking names um, as they go along, and, and they are, they've been shutting out people left and right on the, the second half this season. Um, they are definitely back in the saddle, as you could say, for Stallions, and they are moving on, and they've got a tough game this week with Wallace Roseville. Yeah, and we'll, we'll start talking about uh, games next week uh, here just a little bit later on the podcast, so make sure you, you keep listening. Uh, don't hit that skip button too much. I know sometimes I hit the skip button on my podcast. You keep with us because we got a couple of more matchups we're looking at here, uh, big storylines out of last week. Uh, in the 1A ranks, not too many upsets, or uh, it's really worth um, looking at too much. Polk County, got to give a shout-out to the Wolverines. They took down a very strong North Rowan team, 13-7. to So Polk County, hey, good for you. Uh, good to see you guys able to do this. Riverside Martin, uh, the big win over Princeton. Uh, Riverside's played a tough schedule this year. North Stanley hasn't given up a point yet in the playoffs. Uh, they shut out Granville Central. Um Granville Central, I expect to be able to put a few scores on the board. I thought that might actually be a closer game. North Stanley, uh, they're, they're playing head and shoulders um, above the competition that they have faced off with uh, so far uh, here in the playoffs. But now for the high school playoffs, it is time for some big-time third-round matchups. And, and Brian and I are just going to look through these upcoming matchups. Uh, we have it taking the time to really break these down. We're just going to kind of glance through and go, wow, which ones of these matchups stand out? Um, right here, looking at the 1A, um, you know, out east, Pamlico and Gates County uh, is kind of a big matchup that I don't think is going to get talked about as much. Um, but uh, Pamlico and Gates, I think, is going to be a pretty good uh, game this week. What do you think about 1A there, Brian? Yeah, I agree with you with that game, but also the big game out in the mountains, um, Murphy at Mitchell. That that's going to be a knockout, dragout game there. That that's those are two top programs that are going to battle for the next round. Exactly, and you know, and at least you got Northampton uh, and Rosewood playing out west. You got Thomas Jefferson and Robbinsville playing. Uh, these are eight really good teams. Any of these eight teams, I think, has a legitimate chance to to make a run for a state title. I agree. None of those teams have less than two uh, two losses, or, or more than two losses, sorry. Uh, these are all winning programs. These are all legit contenders for a title. 
Yeah, the one double A. Um, you know, to me, there still are two teams that are kind of head and shoulders above the rest of them: Tarboro out east and Mount Airy out west. But looking at these these four games, uh, which one w- would you choose to go to if you had to choose to go to a one double A game this week? I would choose to go to the uh, Mount Airy East Surrey game. East Surrey's heading to Mount Airy. This is a conference rival. They play each other tough every year. They're very familiar with each other. Um, I think it was only a three-point game this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the conference championship. So uh, that's the one I would go to. Yeah, and you've got Tarboro and North Stanley out uh, east in the winter. That's going to take on the winner of Edenton and Riverside Martin. Um, that That's going to be a cool game. Like I said, Riverside's played a tough schedule, and those folks in Edenton love some high school football. Uh, out west, the winner of Mount Airy East Surrey is going to take on the winner of Starmount and Polk County. Um, this one's probably not the the sexiest matchup on paper. Six and six Star Mountain against five and eight Polk County. I mean, one of those two teams is going to be playing for a regional final after this week. Looking at the two A, I'm just going to read out the matchups. Brian, tell me which one stands out to you the most. We've got Northeastern and Kenston out east on Southwest Onslow, Wallace Rose Hill out east. Out west, we've got Wheatmore and Brevard and Reedsville and Mountain Heritage. <laughs> they all stick out to me. I can't pick one on that one. All four games are going to be incredible. All four games have interesting matchups. Uh, um, it, yeah, it, it, this is a loaded bracket. That's why I was just trying to put you in a tricky situation because all four of them are ones that I would love to see. Uh, this is where I'm, I, I need a camera in all four places and, and some type of high-tech stuff that lets me watch all four of these uh, at the same time, you know, Northeastern and Kinston, both undefeated. Uh, those are, you know, the only undefeated teams out east. You know, Reedsville's undefeated out west, and they're taking on a very tough Mountain Heritage team. Uh, so, yeah, all four of those games are just outstanding games there in the 2A. And then we look at the 2AA, where we have Ledford against Hertford. We've got Southwest Edgecombe versus North Davidson. Shelby versus North Lincoln out west. And High Brighton versus Bandy's out west. Which one of these matchups are you looking forward to the most, Brian? I'm looking forward to that Southwest Edgecombe North Davidson game. Um, these are two two great teams that, that that play good defense, especially North Davidson, and they're going to need the defense to slow down Southwest on uh, Southwest Edgecombe in this one. Um, it, it that's the one that that if I if I had to uh, if, if I had to go to a game that would be the one I would go to. Yeah, and uh, I. On the first podcast, when breaking down the brackets, uh, I kind of predicted the winner of this game to be the winner of the 2AA East because these two teams are are playing some lights-out ball. Out west, though, that High Brighton Bandies game, I know you and I had a chance to see Bandies this past Friday, and and their their running game is strong. This this game against High Brighton, uh, you're going to see two powerful uh, running teams. Um, and, and so it's going to be, you know, a quick game. The clock's going to go quick. Um, both of them be running, moving the chains. Um, High Brighton, you know, just really playing some lights out ball right now. That other game out west is Shelby and North Lincoln. Uh, some folks have written Shelby off earlier in the year, but they're starting to play Golden Lion football, and, and, and they are moving into the playoffs, and they're going to against North Lincoln. You know, we've got to give a shout-out to North Lincoln. Nick Basil, the head coach who, who was hired not too long before the season started, has gotten that program moving in the right direction. Here they are, third round of the playoffs. In the 3A, I'm, I'm loving this whole slate of games here, Brian. 
Havlock and Terry Sanford. We talked a little bit earlier about Terry Sanford and the defensive performance they had this past week. And then Jacksonville versus Eastern Alamance could be a track meet. Out west, we've got Northwest Cabarrus and Kings Mountain and Hunter Huss and Charlotte Catholic. What's your what's your standout matchup here, Brian? <laughs> My standout matchup of this one would probably be Jacksonville and Eastern Alamance. You're right. It's going to be a track meeting with that game. Um, I'm also very interested in that Havelock Terry Sanford. Um, if Terry Sanford can play good enough defense to shut out Rocky Mount, they're going to have to play exceptional defense to slow down Havelock. I, I agree with you right there. Um, Northwest Cabarrus is, is in for a tough matchup with Kings Mountain playing some of that tough Cleveland County ball. That Hunter Huss Charlotte Catholic game, um, that one is is kind of is it's it's blinking on my radar. Uh, maybe as a possible game to go to Hunter Huss sitting there at 13 and 0, and Charlotte Catholic at 12 and 1. They only had that one loss in the first week of the season, and they have just been rolling people uh, throughout the year. That one's been standing out to me. In the three AA, out east we've got Cleveland and Hillside, and then Southeast Guilford and Dudley, and out west we've got Watauga and Weddington, and then AC Reynolds and, and Mount Tabor. And I'll tell you the one that stands out to me right here, Brian, is that Southeast Guilford-Dudley game. Uh, you know those two teams uh, give everything they have when they get a chance to uh, to play each other. Oh, yeah, and, and, and they're very familiar with each other. So, yeah, that, that one's going to be knockout, dragout. Um, and I, I'm interested in seeing that Watauga and Weddington game with Weddington heading up the mountain to, uh, to play them. Uh, it, it, that one's going to be a close one. Um, yeah, it... Yeah, uh, and Cleveland and Hillside. I mean, how can you overlook that one? That, th- this is another loaded bracket. Yeah, it's the third round of the playoff. This is where, like, you know what? These are good games all the way across the board. Uh, the 4A, uh, what we know is that the 4A East, someone's going to have to win this in Cumberland County. So quick shout-out to Cumberland County. Um, they are representing here in the 4A East, Southview. And the big upset over South Central, they are taking on 71st. And then Pine Forest is taking on Scotland. Out west, we've got East Forsyth uh, hosting Grimsley. And West Mac hosting Porter Ridge. Any of these uh, stand out to you, Brian? Yeah, that Pine Forest-Scotland game. I'm interested to see if Scotland can keep the miracle run going. Um, everyone wrote them off, but uh, they're now in the third round. And if they can uh, defeat a Pine Forest, they could be going on to a regional. Yeah, and Pine Forest is having a season that a, a lot of uh, high school fans didn't see them having this much success this year. And, and so they're really do, doing pretty well. And, you know, make it third round of the playoffs. They're hosting Scotland. So, yeah, I agree with you. That's kind of my standout matchup as well. That Porter Ridge West Mac game looks pretty interesting as well. Porter Ridge has played some good ball this year, tough schedule. Uh, West Mac, um, I, I'm thinking that this, this one could be an upset. Uh, don't quote me on it, but that one could be an upset. In the 4AA out east, we've got Wake Forest and Leesville Road and Hoggard and Pinecrest. Out west, we've got Vance and Huff and Richmond and Myers Park. The one standing out to me here is that Richmond-Myers Park game. Um, you got two one-loss teams and two very good offenses and defenses. And right now, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm leaning toward that's where I'm probably going to end up uh, this week here. It's probably that Richmond and Myers Park game. Uh, which one stands out to you, Brian? The other side of that West bracket, the Vance Huff game. These are two teams that are hungry to get to a regional and a title game. 
Um, both teams are loaded ta- talent-wise, and both teams have been close, and they just have never tasted, uh, you know, the, the the victory of heading to a title game. So I'm interested to see if which if one of them can do it. So it's just good matchups across the board, 1A through 4A, from the western part of the state to the eastern part of the state. Uh, I can't wait to see what the effects of and impacts of results of these games are going to be on next week's as we are talking about regional finals. So that's going to wrap us up here uh, for this week's podcast. Uh, Brian, as always, uh, thank you for being on here with the podcast. Oh, yes, it's it's, uh, it's a fun time. It really is. This is uh, my favorite time of year. The weather is cold. Uh, the football is good. And it, it's a great time uh, to, to, to be a high school football fan and a college football fan here in the state of North Carolina. So we thank you for joining us this week on the Carolina Gridiron Podcast. Make sure to check out carolinagridiron.com for all of your high school and college football information needs. Check out Championship Central for all the information we can provide you about high school playoffs. Keep checking with the Twitter accounts. You could find me, Justin Jones, on Twitter at NC Gridiron. You can find Brian at NC Gridiron News. Follow us on Twitter. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. This is CarolinaGridiron.com signing off. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it. Store it. Share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council.